Our scripture lesson for this Epiphany Sunday, the traditional gospel lesson, comes from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country, by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Another holiday season is drawing to a close. There are some among us who are shouting, Hallelujah, it's finally over. And there are others of us who are sad, at least a little bit, that this holy season has come and gone once again. Questions scurry about in our minds like grandchildren at a family reunion. What will the new year hold for me and and for the folks I love? Will I be working this time next year? And if so, where and doing what? How will my health be? What will be the status or the state of this awful pandemic? Concerning family and close friends. Will the circle be unbroken? Today we celebrate Epiphany Sunday, January the 3rd. January 6th is actually the day of Epiphany, the 12th day of the Christmas season. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten it backwards. We celebrate before the fact. And I like to kid and say that we begin Christmas somewhere around July the 5th. And when the big day arrives, we are weary sometimes. We're ready to put it behind us. I hope that somehow, somewhere during these 12 days of Christmas, that we found the time to pause and to reflect on what it does mean and what it can mean for us. Let's choose not to let the the stress, the anxiety, the financial pressures, for some folks, the family difficulties, rob us of the joy that came into the world and comes into our hearts with the birth of the Christ child. While he was still an infant, 
wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who was born king of the Jews? Thus begins our gospel lesson for today, the traditional text for Epiphany. No surprise that these wise guys would come to Jerusalem, to the palace, to Herod's palace. Where else would you go looking for a king? Except in a palace, who would think to look in an ordinary home? Or who would think to look out in the barn? Who were these wise men? Probably Persian astrologers, magi, later tradition would refer to them as kings. The common assumption has always been that there were three of them because there were three gifts mentioned. And though the exact number eludes us, we know for sure that they were not from the children of Israel. They were not Hebrews. That means they were considered Gentiles or pagans or outsiders. And the prophecy was already being fulfilled. The prophecy that the Christ would become light for revelation to the Gentiles. Epiphany means a revealing. It means a drawing back of the curtains that we might see what God has in store. And Jesus, the Christ child, was being revealed in this holy encounter. This story of the wise men is filled with wisdom, concepts that we as individuals and we as God's church can can learn from and can be blessed by as we enter a new year, as we hopefully step boldly into a new year and not fearfully and not reluctantly. Let me quickly lift up a very few of those concepts. And one of those is that there is wisdom in being willing to journey from where we are to where God is calling us to be, to embark on the trip. And sometimes that means relocating that place that we call home. But more often than not, it means journeying away from the ruts that we find ourselves in, from the hurtful behaviors in which we sometimes engage, moving toward new horizons and accepting new adventures. Take the wise men, for example, those who came to Jerusalem from somewhere beyond. The physical, geographical journey was no doubt tiring, but exciting too, exhilarating. They were expecting a great revelation, but it paled in comparison to the spiritual journey that they would be taking in their own hearts. There is wisdom in being aware of evil. Who, what, where? Sometimes evil lurks in people and places where we least expect it. Certainly the wise man did not expect to find evil in the palace. In the person of the king, or the so-called pretender king, Herod pretended like he wanted to also worship the child. But those who knew him and knew his dark heart knew better. And who knows exactly how many children died and how many parents grieved because of the evil in Herod. Apart from prayer, discernment does not exist. We need to pray to be aware of where evil is creeping into this world and into our hearts. There's wisdom in knowing before whom we should bow. Everywhere we go in the world, there are idols and altars who demand our allegiance, our time, our money, our best efforts. But there's only one. There's only one 
worthy of our allegiance, our ultimate allegiance. The wise men knew who that was. And when they found him, they knelt down and paid him homage. There's wisdom in offering our best to the best. The wise men offered their finest gold and frankincense and myrrh. I like the little cartoon. You may have seen it on Facebook or somewhere else. The wise men stopped at a little, a little booth where things are being sold and they're purchasing gold. And there's a little sign to the side that says those who purchase gold also purchase frankincense and myrrh. And so they, they had these extravagant gifts. Practical folks would say, why would this holy family need such extravagant gifts? What's the point? Maybe, just maybe, the gifts were sold or exchanged and used for travel, for the flight to Egypt, for some way to get beyond that terrible tyrant, King Herod, so that the life of the child might be spared. Someone said, and you've heard this too, talking about the gifts, that if any of the wise men, if one of them had been a woman, then she would have brought diapers. But why the extravagant gifts? They had a need, and God was aware of that. Are we offering our best to the best? When the Lord God of heaven and earth sent Jesus the Christ to be our Savior, was that gift anything less than the very best? And there is wisdom in being able to travel on a different road. The wise men were warned, don't go back on the same road that you came in on. Don't go back to Herod. They took another way home. Once we have met and experienced and allowed Jesus the Christ to come into our hearts to be the Lord of our lives, everything changes, even the roads on which we travel and journey through this life. Sometimes problems can be bypassed and opportunities can be maximized if we're willing to travel a different route. Now we enter this new year, this new church season of Epiphany, and I want us to remember for just a moment now, just for a quick moment, and you may remember the book by Bishop Snay's Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations, and those were radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and extravagant generosity. Those things together form the higher road, the high road that we can take as we move through these next few months. Now, let's think about those for a moment, especially this whole idea of hospitality, which seems to me to tie into this story and to be a part of this story. There's wisdom in being willing to journey from where we are and knowing when to embark on the trip. So where are we in regard to hospitality? It's a matter of Christian discipleship. It's a quality of Christian community. It's a concrete expression of our commitment to grow in Christ and to become more like him. It's our willingness not to be served, but to serve. We become part of God's invitation to show people a new way, a new value. The God that loves them can be made known to them. Where are we on this journey? And where would we like to be? Maybe now's the time for us to take a next step. There's wisdom in being aware of evil, realizing there's another team on the field. The force or forces of evil often make us aware of their presence by something shocking or terrifying or 
newsworthy around the world, but it seems to me that evil is often much more subtle than that and slips into our lives and nudges us toward inaction and apathy. Evil flips our interpretation of the story of the shepherd who left the 99 to go looking for one who was lost. Evil likes to play dress-up, and its favorite costume is selfishness. There's wisdom in knowing before whom to bow. Real kings, real palaces. King Jesus reminds us that he's to be found among the last and the lost and the least. And if you watched last Sunday, if you heard Fetty's sermon on the 27th of December about where we find Jesus in the least of these, whoever welcomes one such child, Jesus also said, welcomes me. Therefore, go into the streets and invite everyone you meet, even the unlikely. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing this, some have entertained angels unaware. The early Methodists practiced hospitality in ways so radical that many church leaders found their practices offensive. Wesley preached on the roadsides and in the fields and to the coal miners and to those who believed that you could only worship in the beautiful sanctuaries and cathedrals. That was tough for them. He was interacting with the underclass, the poorest of the poor. He invited them into Christian community and he nurtured them in a strong sense of belonging. Why should we care? Because the one before whom we bow calls us to care. And there's wisdom in offering our best. Aren't there times when we are compelled to bring out the the fine china, to set out our most prized crystal and silverware, When we choose to practice radical hospitality, we commit to the very best. Whatever it takes to make folks feel welcome. Whatever it takes to export our hospitality to those places where it is lacking most in this world. People who have been isolated by life's hard edges. I love the story I think I've told about the Queen of England one day years ago was out strolling in the countryside and there came up a storm, a rainstorm, and she knocked on the door of a cottage and asked if there was an umbrella she could borrow and the people in the cottage didn't have a clue who she was and they had an old raggedy torn umbrella and they said, here, just just take this. The next day, a coach pulled up in front of the house and the coachman got out and came and knocked on the door and returned the umbrella and he said, I would like to return this to you, the queen says, thank you for allowing her to use it. We miss so many opportunities to give of our very best to Christ by loving on other folk. There's wisdom in traveling a different road. Churches that practice radical hospitality frequently wander off of the beaten path. And they embrace the adventures of new and unfamiliar routes. And they are willing to listen to different voices and different accents. To travel a different road requires a change of attitude, practices, and values. Bishop Snay says good intentions are not enough. And he reminds us that too many churches won't. And you've probably heard this before. They want more young people. As long as they act like older people. They want more newcomers long as they act like old timers. They want more children as long as they are quiet as adults. 
They want more ethnic families as long as they act like the majority in the congregation. And he says we can do better. It takes radical hospitality, all the redirecting of our energy and our time and our gifts and our resources that comes with this. Church leaders cannot keep doing things the way they've always done them. Some of the things that we've learned and are learning during this pandemic, we will continue. And some things we've set aside will stay set aside. Little changes have big effects. Radical hospitality describes churches that strive without ceasing to exceed expectation and to accommodate others that have often been turned aside or not welcomed. Folks are searching for communities of faith that make them feel welcomed and loved and needed and accepted. Who can teach us? Who can show us? Who can lead us to be that way? There is wisdom in looking to the one before whom the wise ones in this world have always bowed the knee. On this Epiphany Sunday, may God reveal to us anew who this King Jesus really is. And may we go home by another way. God help us to take a higher road. Amen.